Welcome to the Secure the Bag podcast. Over the next few months, we're going to be talking to some of the most successful people from the fields of sport, entertainment, music, and more, and discussing how they reached the top of their profession and ultimately how they secured the bag. I'm Frankie Hobbs, and as always, I'm joined by the lovely and wonderful Emily Hall. How are you, Em? Hello, very well, thank you. So yeah, we, we just we just had a chat with Leila Ali, who's today's guest, um, supremely talented. Leila's a presenter, if you don't know, who is in the world of sport and, and TV, who's interviewed everyone from the likes of Lionel Messi to Pele to Pogba to Neymar. Uh, em, how did you find the chat? I thought it was, you know, I thought Leila really opened up to us. Yeah, I mean, I'm certainly like less interested in the football world than you are, but hearing how she's navigating such a male-dominated space um, I thought was really fascinating yeah I really enjoyed the conversation actually great stories um, Layla's super lovely so make sure you check her out but I won't keep you any longer here is our, our show over Layla and Ali. yeah Layla how, how have things changed for you since lockdown obviously being a presenter for first and foremost you're in front of normally other people's cameras are you are you finding things have changed for you dramatic uh, drastically or are you much the same it's it's drastically changed i mean the majority of my work is big scale large live events um so you know stadiums arenas um cage warriors was the last proper gig i did last normal gig i did and that was on the day of the complete lockdown in the uk um and you know we we received a lot of interesting judgment and praise for doing that event um it's an mma event for those of you who don't know cage warriors is um a mixed martial arts league and it's kind of like known as the feeder league to ufc basically you become a cage warriors champ there's a much higher chance of you getting into the ufc um and we had our last event on that day and it ended up being an event with no audience um trying to do social distancing as best as we could they had some incredible uh, medical checks obviously it's MMA so with these athletes we're testing them for a million things anyway it's one of the safest sports out there um, and so you know it's 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 incredibly safe but it's scary and weird to do an event at times like this so we had to amend a lot and change a lot but that was the last big event that I did everything else has been cancelled. I had a new job in America that I was excited and I hadn't told anyone yet because it hadn't started yet and I never tell anyone until things are out. But that's obviously disappeared alongside a pandemic, I know. Um, interviews, the biggest change for me has been interviews because you don't realise how much you um, play on that body language and even slight, I don't like the word manipulation because it's got negative ties to it, but even in a positive way, little manipulation techniques to get the best out of the person that you're interviewing. Um, doing that now via Zoom, Skype and online means I can't get that charisma out of a footballer or an athlete in the same way I normally would. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and they, I mean, they probably struggle for charisma most of the time anyway. Um. <laughs> <laughs> the stereotype of the footballer. Yeah. I So, you know, I'm now still doing a lot of work. I'm lucky, really lucky that I'm still busy, but it's just changed. It's just doing it all online, all via, you know, an app or just audio. And it's a lot harder to try and make someone feel super comfortable or have fun and get a laugh out of someone when there's a minute delay and Wi-Fi connection. I couldn't agree with more with that. I think we've seen that with our, like, office as well and people you work with. Um, that, for me, is the thing that's missing most mm. is those human interactions and, like, trying to have those chats, like, on a Zoom call. It feels a lot less informal, doesn't it? Um, 
So I don't think you could do this permanently. Exactly. When it comes to like marketing pitches and, you know, you're, you're used to sort of judging a room and selling to a room, I guess. And, and you kind of see what lands and what people like and what they don't like and how they react. And, you know, not that we change an entire idea or pitch, but you tailor yeah, stuff absolutely. on and your you day. You see how people react. And even like with your colleagues, like you have, you know, we put pressure on each other and like we're in tough situations and to then not have the downtime over lunch or go to the pub with each other afterwards like mm-hmm. I think that's where like I'm definitely yeah. struggling with that like I really miss that um and especially like if you have new starters yeah. and stuff I've seen so many people say oh my first day has been over zoom and you're like gosh that must be so hard to kind of judge everyone's personalities and like how far you can go with things gosh yeah starting a new job yeah. now must be the weirdest thing in the world um the other thing is for me traveling was a really big sure, part yeah. of my job like I think we calculated something like four was it 40 41 or 42 flights last year and so I'm constantly on a plane and I have this little my little case that I always have and I have it by the door and I'm like <laughs> oh I could probably put my case away I'm not going to use that for a couple of weeks I think so that's really it's just strange to be in the same place because I'm quite an itchy busy like everything done yesterday go 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 person so that's a bit odd but I'm quite flexible to adjust as well and I think for everyone this is a time of adjustment like we have to just accept what's happening we can't fight it as in we can't fight the change and adapt and has there been anyone in your in your industry that hasn't adapted or, or or is saying you know what let's just wait for this to finish and 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 what what do you actually think long term are we going to take some of the things we've learned here and use them long term are you more you know less interested in traveling such long distances in, in the future when you know it can be done at home Look, we have to change from this, right? We can't come out of this and have learned nothing. We can't come out of this the same people that we went into it. Um, All you need to see is the differences in the planet to realize how much abuse we were putting into it. So we do need to change and grow in some ways. I know a couple of guys who own large companies and they were saying how impressed they were with how many people working from home are still incredibly productive. So I think some companies will be like, okay, yeah, maybe more lenient with working moms or different, you know, people working part-time from home. I think we're going to see some changes like that. I hope we do um, for people who want to. Um, With my industry, I mean, large events still need to happen. We still, we want football back. We're all desperate yes. for that day that we can have get in a stadium and have a football game back. I think that skin-to-skin contact between humans, that chanting, that screaming, all that colour, I think that is a human, important, wonderful, tribalistic thing that I pray never goes away. But some things around it may need to amend. You know, like doing interviews with footballers on Zoom, when you're kind of already in the industry and you know them, um, I think it could really solve a lot of issues because trying to get a footballer to a location is tough. <laughs> and the complex natures around all these different high-profile athletes mean that a lot of companies end up just not being able to do it at all. But maybe for the likes of the big guns, maybe we can have more brands speak to them if they're actually doing it from their home. And it's like, okay, it's just 20 minutes from your own home. This brand, this brand, this brand. Maybe more brands will get in with bigger names because they couldn't afford to have them in a studio for a day before uh, and so the, i think we're gonna see yeah go ahead i would just say the footballers have also got more time than their exactly. and, and celebrities got more time and they're able to to open up a bit more exactly you might see them request that you know you might see a few footballers go i don't want to go into that studio to do this or to do that why don't we do it zoom from home and um 
if they request it, you know, it all filters down from the top. So I think we'll see changes. I hope we see changes. But then with some big events, you know, you, you mentioned, have I seen anyone who's not doing, um, who's not adapted or who is adapted? Look, UFC have done everything they can to keep their events going. We've been talking about Fight Island and all these, you know, what sound like ludicrous ideas, but equally, this is a man trying to run his business and to keep all the people working as hard as he possibly can. And it's it's big dreams. And I think that's awesome that they haven't necessarily, you know, adapted big time. They've obviously adapted medical checks and, and to an extent, and that's awesome that they're still trying to go. But for a lot of other people, we can't just keep doing what we're doing and expect it to be okay. There's got to be a got to be a time to change in a positive way. Agreed, and 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 I guess it kind of moves on nicely to the fact you you have you're not just solely a TV or a, or a big events person. You've built up your profile on social, and I guess the people that were just solely focused on TV and and didn't build up that social presence might have been left behind by, by now, really. Right. Yeah, I made some good decisions there. I actually, um, quite a while back, left an agent. I'm actually, I don't have an agent anymore because I just don't see the point. I Agreed. personally am quite good at, yeah, I'm quite good at negotiation. I'm quite The reasons you would need an agent in, in real terms is like, if you're not good at selling yourself, pricing yourself well, if you're not good at pitching for yourself, which can feel strange, you know, if you don't, if you're not good at that, then get someone else to do it for you. I'm not anti-agent agents, but I am good at those things. I enjoy those things. And in the world of WhatsApp, I mean, I have Premier League clubs WhatsApping me. I have brands, you know, massive brands sending me DMs. And it's like, wait a minute, an agent's just slowing the process down. Down. and agents haven't adapted from the past we have brilliant big agencies that work with incredible people on big tv shows but they've not changed in a hundred years <laughs> i think we can and agree the with that more the, you know <laughs> yeah, right? the, the whereas the actual landscape yeah the landscape has changed and you know it's, it's just not simple anymore and my one of my agents that i left i left because they were saying that I was working up to a, a show that was on TV and they were like, the next gig is this gig and if you can get that big gig on TV, you've made it, you're done. And I'm like, why is everyone still banging on about TV? I mean, let's be honest, it's hemorrhaging viewers. It's very formulaic. Like, bar match of the day, which I love and I hope goes on forever, but bar match of the day and even their style, the formula is no doesn't matter what happens in the game, the formula of the program is exactly the same right? You still have your intro, you talk about it pre-match, you talk half-time, post-match, done, right? And you have that interview with the manager, whatever. TV shows tend to have that exact format no matter what happens. But online, like when I, I can remember I realized this in 2014, I did a show for Adidas um, in Brazil for the 2014 World Cup there. And we amended our show, the content, the formula, everything, daily based on what hit, when people were watching, what they liked, what they didn't like, comments, everything obviously take comments with a pinch of salt <laughs> but we amended and grew our show and it changed based on what people liked and it seems crazy nowadays to have a formula that you stick to no matter what so for me tv was never the dream and i actually kind of flipped it i started in tv and then i my dream was to just get a good digital um base and i'm thank god i did because right now i'm working more than any of my friends in tv for sure and I, so i was going to ask you know You've been involved with things like the eSports World Cup for FIFA, um, yeah. some really cutting edge um, social projects. Would you say that was a, um, a choice you made or was it something you fell into? But it sounds like it was something, uh, uh, you know, a choice you made. 
Digital was very much a choice I made. Yeah, I saw it and I was like, it excites me. It's forward thinking, creative content. And that's what I like. I love uh, writing shows. I've sold a couple of shows before and I like, um, I just like trying to make things different, if that makes sense. So it's, I, I get bored very quickly as well. So although I like, I do have a couple of studio shows and although I like studio shows, when you're driving into a studio and you're doing that same show every single day, that's essentially a desk job. Mm -hmm. right you're essentially going into an office and doing a desk job every day and i'm like dude i'm getting into helicopters with pogba over monaco i don't want to stand in a studio be it the most respected program everyone thinks it's great i i'd rather go to monaco and change and do things differently so creative content changing content things that evolve it's like people always ask me like oh what's your five-year plan what's your 10-year plan i was like just stay relevant and keep exciting changes. That's all I all I ever want to do is just keep growing, keep changing, and keep enjoying it and stay relevant. Um, if I had a five-year plan now, gosh, well, you can't have five-year plans anymore because five years ago, we didn't even have Instagram, right? And, and you know, you can't even have a five-day plan at the moment, really. Um, yeah, now. <laughs> is Instagram? Instagram might be seven years old. I haven't got the exact dates, but you well, get Instagram <laughs> stories aren't five years old. They're about... Two or three years yeah. old and like they've completely revolutionized how we use Instagram. So it's completely fair to understand exactly. like how an app can change what we do. And, and, and exactly. it feels like TikTok's um, mm. starting to get there, but I think we'll, we'll park that one for now. <laughs> um, mo- moving on to, I mean, you mentioned the Pogba Monaco thing and I did actually yeah. have that written down. Um, <laughs> Pogba's someone who I think it's fair to say gets a, tricky time by a lot of the press and, and, and is seen as someone who's a bit of a troublemaker, perhaps doesn't get yeah. the fair, fairest chance. What was your experience of meeting him? And, and do you think that footballers in general, what are they like? And what do they get, do they get frustrated with, with how the media paints them? Yes, they do. They do. They're sensitive, more sensitive than we think. Um, people forget they're real human beings. And regardless of what someone's being paid, it doesn't change your emotional state. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like just because you get paid a lot of money doesn't mean you, you, you focus less on comments. They read their stuff. They know what people are writing. They have lists of journalists they don't like. You know, <laughs> they're, they're real people. Um, Papa was amazing. I actually... Um, used him to help change the plans. So it's, it's a clever trick, but if, if the <laughs> client is nervous of something and you have an idea and you say it to the footballer, not the client, the footballer goes, oh, I like that idea, then the client want to do it, right? Um, and basically we wanted Pogba to look really cool. We wanted it to look great. And they were like, we've got this interview um, and we've got the board, a board full of marketing you know, posters on it. And it's just like, well, that's not gonna be cool. And you often get clients say to you, I want it to be really fresh and cool and like, something out of vice and you're like cool and there's so I've put a chair here and you're going to sit there and it's like well that's not fresh and cool let's go for a walk or that's like what's his day like what's he doing in the day and they said well he's going to get in a helicopter to Monaco then he's got the car journey to there and they described his day to me and I was like well if you want it to look cool get me in the helicopter with him right (laughs) obviously obviously that's way more cool than sitting him down in this room on a chair and they were like oh he'll never let us and da 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 and I was like well we've got the morning briefing with him 
let's ask. And because they just kind of gave me that freedom and because Pobble was pretty warm and you, you can just judge the day, like whether or not you can ask. Um, I just said to him straight away, I said, Pogs, we want you to look really cool. We've got this studio or I could just pop into the helicopter with you if you want, because I think it looked cool for you to be in a helicopter. And he immediately went, oh my God, yeah, obviously that would be great. Um, not in a female voice. He said <laughs> no, that would voice. be strange. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he kind of moved things around for us. He was really easy to work with, complete pro. He does, um, you kind of feel him switch it on for the cameras a bit, you know, and that's what I love is when people know, okay, they're trying to make something, give them something. You know, he was, he was giving, he gave us stuff for the camera. He was really warm and I really enjoyed working with him. Yeah, yeah not he, at all. Overall, he just seems like, yeah, from what you, and, and I don't want to single anyone out, but someone like Graham Sunes who... Um, every opportunity will will call him out or, or point mm-hmm. to his attitude. It just it doesn't quite fit in with the image I, I see and the image I saw in in that interview at least. Yeah, look, every I'm not commenting on Graham personally, <laughs> but like everybody has different reasons for saying what they say. Be it because they want their program to do well, or a pundit whose job is to try and have an opinion. And it's you know if you don't have an opinion, it can be difficult. But there's a big difference between like picking on someone and giving good punditry. Um, I, when I do football shows with people, I'm really adamant about them not bullying footballers because it is, let's call it for what it is, it is bullying. Um, and when I sit there and you, you often get, especially in YouTube, you often get these guys who have their YouTube channels or Arsenal fan TV and they're like, oh, I hate this player, he's a fucking rah, 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 rah. I will call them out on it and go, why? It's like you you can say he's shit on the wing because he's slow, right? You can say that. That's legit. You can't just say he's a dick. Like that's not that's not proper feedback. So I'll always stop and call someone out on it. And I do the same on my stuff. Like I made a little online show that was very highly opinionated, tongue in cheek, takes the piss out of football. And in that, I thought to myself, I just need to make sure I don't say a single line that I wouldn't say to the person's face. And also you need to understand like footballers are actually quite fun and they take the piss out of each other a lot. Um, And I thought, I think I was taking the piss out of Marcelo. And I thought to myself, could I say that to him? And I was like, do you know what? You could, you can say to a footballer (laughs) sometimes, mate, that was a real, what were you thinking? That was a terrible day. Like that was got to be your worst day ever. Um, I made a heat map once of David Luiz at the 2014 World Cup and he was all over the place on this heat map. And it's like, you couldn't tell, you couldn't, if someone gave you that heat map, didn't tell you the player and you had like a million pounds, if you guess which position he played, you couldn't get it right. (laughs) Um, And so I absolutely went in on him on that. And I thought, do you know what? If I was sat next to him, I reckon I could have that conversation with him in a polite, lighthearted way as long as you're not just outright bullying and what we see online now what people like Neymar like I will stand here and say I think Neymar's the most bullied player on the planet now a lot of people will hear that and go oh but he deserves it no one deserves to be bullied like Mm -hmm. no one deserves to be bullied does he deserve someone to say you shouldn't have rolled that many times because of x or you shouldn't do this or whatever yes but let's see the difference between you know actual criticism punditry and outright bullying I guess it's criticism. Sorry, that was a rant. No, no I, I think it's exactly a very relevant right. and fair point, and, and like it needs to be addressed, isn't it? But like, yeah, what I think so. you know, footballers are, um, as you say, because they're paid three hundred grand a week. People think they can say what they want to them. Um, yeah. And I, you know, I think even myself, I've been guilty of doing that in the past. And then you, you, you do start to to realise that I wouldn't want them to see that. You know, people are 
the more money you earn doesn't mean you you suffer from you know mental health issues less or um... exactly dude it's a vicious cycle look at kids at football matches and their parents i've seen this at boxing as well it's not just football but you had see like a six-year-old kid and his dad is going go on fuck him up and it's like yep yeah, so that kid's obviously going to grow up and say the same thing and and it's going to go in that direction and obviously there is that sort of animalistic nature around sport that we want to shout but there is a difference. They are human beings. They do see it. I've, I've seen footballers cry about comments. The other thing is volume. Like what we don't comprehend is sending someone one message or same with me, I felt this too. One or two messages, yeah, you can brush that off your shoulder, no biggie. But sometimes you don't realize some of the clips are going out. Like for me, it's worse when it goes out in America because it's huge and there's a lot of people. And then when you're getting 400 of that kind of message, then the next day, another 300 of that message. Like think of the footballers, how many they're getting saying the same kind of thing over and over and, and over. And about their families. Three or four days in, it stings. You know, there, there, there's a lot of comments about people's families as well, which is... Um, yeah. You know, unacceptable. Since, since really. when was that allowed? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. No, well, look, we, we touched. You touched on it there. You, you seem to always. You, 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 it's like you've got my script in front of me. Um, but you touched. Oh, good. You, you touched on <laughs> Neymar. Um, mm. Now, I think, being completely transparent, one of the first things that come comes up when you Google yourself is uh, Neymar. So. Um, oh right, is Layla Neymar's girlfriend? Is that the- <laughs> no, I, I didn't want to. <laughs> or ask. did you find the uh, the I ruined Demi Moore and Neymar? Yeah, James no, article. I've read that. Yeah, yeah. I think it'd be good. Look, it'd be good for the 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 listeners to hear how that yeah. how that came about, but also the infamous story with. Demi Moore and, and how you ruined that their relationship. De- it, what, it wasn't. It was um, Demi Lovato, Demi right? Lovato, Not Demi Moore. Sorry. sorry, that was my bad. I think I said Demi Moore. I might have preferred it to be Demi Moore, <laughs> but no, it was Demi Lovato. Okay, so Nay, I worked with on Nay, the. Nay, I love Nay. Uh, Just for a minute. Nay, I, Nay. I love Nay. <laughs> <laughs> nay, nay. Um, it's actually quite a Brazilian thing. So I'm Brazilian, and in fa- yeah, in Brazil, it's like menino nay. I think is what a lot of people call him. But anyway, we. Um, First worked together with Red Bull. So I work a lot with Red Bull. He's a Red Bull. Um, what do they call them? Ambassador. They actually call them. Yeah, ambassador. But, you know, so many people call them assets. <laughs> and I'm like, sorry, what? Um, the football is the asset. And I was like, no. Um, anyway, yeah. So he is a Red Bull ambassador, a Red Bull athlete. Um, so I worked with him over at Red Bull. And he w- runs the world's greatest five-a-side competition, which is Red Bull Neymar Juniors 5. Um, and I host that every year. So I started working with him in that. And then I also worked with uh, PS. I think on a couple of clips with him um, and Otro when he was and then it just sort of we got on really well I was just it was just crossing paths a lot and it just made sense that companies would go oh wait a minute Neymar's obviously a very expensive asset to have on shoot and they don't want to risk no one wants to risk not getting the best out of Neymar because you've spent a fortune on the time and the location and the studio settings and all the people and him Um, and so when they go wait a minute let's not risk a new presenter to let's get one that we know he gets on with it's just a given really so I kind of ended up just getting a lot of jobs after working with him through a couple of companies because they all knew I've worked with him before and it's less risk for them um and then I I, I yeah and then he invited me to host his birthday party which I was like oh amazing that's great and that was that was for I think Red Bull and Beats were sort of helping throw the epic birthday party. Imagine that was a quiet Imagine, Imagine Dude, someone presenting yeah, your birthday. Just, you know, I don't mind that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Just a small little birthday. Yeah, no, it's massive. It's ridiculous. We're Brazilians love yeah. to party. This is the other thing. 
about Brazilians that is just, we don't have it in England. In England, at a birthday party or any party, it takes time for people to get really sort of fun and light and dance on tables. Like people have got to be really half cut to start doing that. In Brazil, within 10 minutes, like the party's popping, like it's going crazy because everyone wants to be there so much and Brazilians are just love party animals. Um, Neymar's one of them. Like you go to a party with Neymar, he is on the table within five minutes of being there and he doesn't <laughs> barely drink. Like in season, these guys don't drink at all. And at his birthday party, I was amazed to see like Mbappe, David uh, Luiz, um, Dani Alves, uh, Ney, everybody on stage singing. And it was like, we've only been at this party 10 minutes. They're all going nuts. <laughs> So you can imagine that like, the party from there just gets bigger and bigger. So yeah, he invited me to host his birthday party. That was obviously ridiculously amazing. And then from there, the association just kind of grew and you just end up getting more work off the back of that. Yeah, so um, yeah, it sounds like a, it's probably a good thing for him as well when he goes into interviews knowing that he's got someone that he's comfortable with and that will know the boundaries. Yeah, he knows he's safe. He's no, he knows we're not looking to try and, you know, get some kind of crazy headline out of him. So, yeah, he, he knows. And also, I'm quite speedy. I'm quite quick. I, I get to the point and things like that. I think with um, football as well, they don't want to risk someone having to do two or three takes or, mm-hmm. you know, it's just stuff that could waste time. So I think with me, he knows I'm quick, sharp and efficient and it benefits him. Good. And yeah, so Demi Lovato, you, you, ruined, a, oh, yeah. you ruined a relationship between Neymar and Demi Lovato. Uh, Apparently I did, right? So really what happened is nothing like it at all. Um, Neymar was playing a friendly game in the UK versus Brazil and he invited Demi Lovato because she had invited him to her gig in Paris. Sounds lovely, right? Whether or not they had a thing, I have no idea. and was not involved in that conversation at all. Um, but the impression I got was he invited her to a game. That was kind because she invited him to a gig. Done. That's all I understood. Uh, the paparazzi got pics of Demi Lovato going into this um, restaurant and obviously got pics of Ney. They didn't get pictures of me or the other 30 people who were there because it was like a big... Uh, reunion like whenever he comes to London we shout out all the London friends and get everyone who's here and everyone meets up and um, half the Brazil team were there as well but the paparazzi got pictures of those two and then when we left um, just because of the timing they saw me too and they were like oh she's gone in and ruined their date so it's a completely invented crap thing there was literally about 30 people there which uh, which publication was in it was in American magazines, I think. Mm. It was a couple of magazines and papers in America. That just I think the American magazines act like UK tabloids like 10 years ago. They're still really bad for things, yeah. aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. And, it, you know, it's interesting because I was like, nobody contacted me. And all, I guess, because they, they probably knew. Like the paparazzi must have seen other people coming in and out but thought, this is too boring a story. Where can we find a lead? Yeah, they, they know it's a fake story. They just can't be asked to go make a proper one, can they? Yeah, <laughs> there's also the element of saying, did Demi want that story? Because she was promoting an album at the time. She, you know, it's, it's beneficial. It was very beneficial to her that a story came out and maybe she tipped off the paparazzi. Um, I don't see that being a million miles out of the equation because, you know, when you say tipped off, it's what people do to get PR, right? Um, so, you know, maybe she and, said... And, and Neymar's got date. 130 million followers. Yeah, you know, it's in Demi Lovato's <laughs> interest, let's be honest. Um, so, you know, maybe she tipped it off. Maybe she thought she was going on a date and didn't realise there's going to be 30 of us here. Um, in Brazil, that kind of storyline happens a lot because I think a, a 
one of his ex-girlfriends sort of said, if you date Neymar, be prepared to be around 40 people all the time. Um, because he likes being around lots of people. He has lots of friends. He has a big friendship group. It's a very happy, positive friendship group. And and yeah, maybe, maybe Demi thought she was going on a date and she was <laughs> So was it a good dinner though? <laughs> was it a fun night? Yeah. Awesome. Expl- yeah, explain always. how that works. How, like, how does a dinner for, full of 30 of, um, you know, celebrities yeah is it is it like sharing plates or does everyone get a main course like what's the vibe <laughs> no <laughs> this is how impressive. much is, are people drinking no generally if they're in season i i've never seen a footballer drink in season if i'm honest um off season yeah because that's their opportunity to but in season i've never seen a footballer um do it these dinners i you see a lot with footballers because they travel and they don't get to see a lot of people a lot of the time outside of their close friendship group so if someone's in town they'll especially if they're traveling like like for um, international friendlies they will try and get everyone in together at one time so what they'll do is they'll just hire out a whole restaurant at ridiculous o'clock so that you know paparazzi aren't around and keep it a quiet time um and everyone will come and they'll just they tend to have either a big buffet that people can help themselves to and everyone just kind of moves around, kind of like a mini wedding. <laughs> that's what it's like. Yeah. So it's like a wedding every time. Every time every they Every time you hang out with a, celebrity, a big celebrity name. Yeah, kind of. But maybe that's more the Brazilians now come to think of it because they just we just like hanging around with lots of people. We all have big families. If I'm honest, my family in Brazil, who are not celebrities or footballers by any stretch of the imagination, every time I go to dinner with them, there's at least 30 of us. Um, because we're big sort of Catholic families and there's just loads of food everywhere and it's, it's more a culture thing than a celebrity thing, I think. Yeah, so I mean, I, I guess I, I wanted to ask, you're, you're such an established figure in, in sort of men's football um, and obviously the last couple of years have seen women's football take a, take a massive rise and you know, I think there seems to be women's football's getting, and, and it deserves to be getting the, the right push. Doesn't seem to be as many women in men's football growing. What do you have an opinion on that? Do you, you know, what do you mean? Not as many women in men's football. So, so we have obviously Alex Scott, the Queen, exactly, um, yeah. who's just a hero, doing great. Not many more coming through. Yeah, well, yeah, it just seems like obviously women's football is gr- fantastic, and women are at the forefront of that. We're still. Well, that's the problem. That's exactly the catch. You've hit the nail on the head there, is that women are being put on women's football. And it's like, hang on a minute. And I can remember, it was Poet from Copa 90 was at a party and we were chatting. And he's like, oh, the Women's World Cup's coming. That's going to be great for you. And I was like, why? And he's like, well, because you're a woman, aren't you? And I was like, why aren't you doing a Women's World Cup? He's like, oh, no, no. And I was like, well, no, let's talk about this. (laughs) Why is it just women have to do the Women's World Cup, right? Exactly. Um, and I was like, no, it's, and I think that sort of happened a little bit. Um, anyone doing any Women's World Cup content went for women. And it's like, okay, good. We need more women in the industry. Absolutely. But equally, why aren't the big, big guy guns in this world doing it too? It's not a segregated thing. It's not like a teenage school party with all the boys on one side and all the girls on the other. Um, yeah, that's the, that's, think, that's, you, that's kind of the, the point I was, I was, the question I was trying to ask was, yeah, how, why are there not, more women involved in men's football when women's football that you know we've seen such an appetite for it and the women have done such a great job in presenting that that um form of the game 
Exactly. They're doing a great job. And there's so many more of us who are doing a brilliant job who have the opportunity out there. I think it's just a slow process. Look, the Women's World Cup gave us a bit of a boost and a bit more of a head start. But it's just it's just going to take time. It's something that's absolutely definitely going to happen. But right now we need more female you know, producers. We need more females making the decision to who's hiring because still all the top producers of all the big major football programming are men. And that's actually something I um, have a really interesting story. I don't, oh, you probably Google, yeah. I don't like to talk about it too much because then people Google the photos of that. But <laughs> um, I did a shoot for FHM in 2012 and I really didn't want to do this photo shoot. Um, I had a bit of a, I don't know if the word break is really relevant, but it, a boost in my career for sure when I was the voice or the narrator, as it were, of the London 2012 opening ceremony. Olympic opening ceremony and after that I got the offer from FHM because it was just my voice they wanted to do this big sexy bikini photo shoot bikini by the way not topless not worth a google but I was in my <laughs> bikini and they wanted to do this big bikini reveal of the girl behind the voice and I got offered this gig and immediately I said no like obviously not it's not my kind of thing I've never been into that in fact I did like modeling when I was a kid for catalogs and I hated it so I was like no and then my agent kept phoning me up I had an agent at the time saying look I think this is a really good idea I really think you should do it they want to do six pages they're going to talk all about your career this is like a CV for you we really should do this it's the biggest magazine at the time obviously it's now defunct I think FHM but I think everyone remembers it and they really wanted me to do this and I said no probably about six times and then one time I went into the office and he asked me again. I was like, haven't you told them no yet? Why are you still coming to me with this? And he's like, look, tell me you know where you want to go. And I was really pushing hard to get into football at that time because I love football. I'm Brazilian. It's in my blood. My family have always loved football. But I was doing a lot of um, extreme sports like cycling sports and rugby and a bit, bits of other stuff. But I hadn't really gotten into football as I wanted to. And he said, you want to get into football. Look at this list that I have of every football producer, every football director, all these football shows you want to do. Tell me what's similar on this list. And I was like, they're all men. And he's like, yeah. And I bet they all read FHM. And I was like, damn it, he's right. Damn it. And I was like, my in is posing in a freaking bikini and seeing whether one of these guys reads it. And so I agreed. I agreed. I was literally puking in the taxi on the way there. They had to pull over like three times. I was so nervous. I really didn't want to do it. At that time, I wasn't in a position where I could ask for um, copy approval. So the pictures would just come out and I don't have a choice. It's those pictures. Um, so I was really nervous, feeling sick about it, but it was a business decision. And guess what? Within a week, two, three, four, five, six, and all of these guys from these lists that he'd made that he had contacted many times in the past but ignored us, suddenly started responding. And they were like, oh, I've seen so-and-so in FHM, Layla, in FHM, and I've seen this and I've seen that. Let's, let's have a meeting. Let's have a chat. So however wrong it is, it worked. I mean, I've just Googled the shoot. I mean, you look amazing. Um, no, you, you do, you look amazing. Um, but it's mental, isn't it, that that's the kind of thing you've got to do to get noticed. And I would really hope that in more recent years that those kind of things are going to change and you don't have to do that to get noticed. Um, and I definitely think there's more pressure on people to give a more fair opportunity to women um, in these kind of industries, but you know, it worked for you. And now you're in that kind of position where you can bring young girls in, like you can be the voice um, in those men, men's um, ears because you've got that authority now. 
do you see yourself um, as sort of a a role model for women trying to get involved in football? God, oh, that's that's heavy. I've changed the tone there. Sorry, carry that responsibility. Or do you you feel like, or or do you always do you look to help women or or offer them advice if they are looking to to get involved? Yeah, I think there's sort of two answers to that. Firstly, I want to clarify: like, there is nothing wrong with posing in a bikini. I'm super Mm. pro. Like, nakedness, love your body, go for it. It's just that I shouldn't have had to do that to get in front of 100%. football production. Do you know what I mean? 100%. It had no, no fucking correlation. Um, now I post bikini pictures because I like to. That's different. I shouldn't have to do that for my job. Um, but yeah, so do I feel any kind of responsibility? I feel a responsibility when I get an opportunity at a new door to push it wide open. Mm-hmm. I get. I feel a responsibility to disrupt the industry a little bit. And that's what I kind of enjoy doing. Um, I feel a responsibility not to be the classic tits and teeth presenter that we used to have in sports many years ago. It used to be either an ex-athlete, which is brilliant, they know their sport inside out, but maybe weren't the best at presenting, or it would be in the past, I'm talking about, before people start thinking I'm slagging anyone off, or it used to be the sort of classic tits and teeth anchor who would read off a piece of paper, has no idea what they're saying, which people still think we're doing, by the way. People still think I'm given every single question or I'm, you know, it's just that's not realistic nowadays. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. Um, so I do feel a responsibility not to be like that. So on the odd job where they're like, we want this. And I'm like, then why are you hiring me? because I'm going to come in with, it's my, I'm a bit more sassy, a bit opinionated, and I'm just going to have that conversation. I'm not going to be, I'm not a model. Hire a model if you want a model. That's modeling. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. No, I get that. So I feel a, a responsibility to do my job well, because I'm a woman, like extra well, especially in a male-dominated world. Like football's one thing. Then you go into MMA. Like it's like turning up the testosterone. This is a violent sport. Well, I was going to say, I don't know why I keep making it harder for myself. Do you, (laughs) in these kind of industries, like do you do you ever feel pressure or feel uncomfortable in in the environments you're working in because it is so male dominated? Yeah, hundred percent. Like I'd like to say no, I don't notice it or whatever. But yeah, it's like sexism is fucking rife in this world still, very much. not from the places you expect. It's not the obvious stuff. Um, my pressures come mostly from social media. Like, um, yeah, people online tend to be the thing. Other women, unfortunately. You know, I've had co-hosts in the past who couldn't promote our show because the photo, the poster of our program, which has me and the male co-host together, was too hot and his wife didn't like it. So it's like, wait a minute, your wife, who has nothing to do with the show, is actually getting you know, disturbing the promotion of our program. So, you know, when girls are paranoid about their husbands cheating on them with co-hosts, when it's like, mate, I'm literally with you for about 30 minutes to film a program. (laughs) This is the last thing on our mind. And, you know, when they're sort of disturbing a PR campaign, that's rife with sex. And it's a real problem because does she care about another show that he does with a male? Probably not. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, well, equality has got to come first from women supporting each other, right, before it can be spread further. That's the big thing. And I still, to this day, all the time, whenever there's another female host in football or in MMA or anyone that I cross paths with, I'll have someone go, oh, you know, Catherine's here today. And I was like, cool. And they're like, doesn't that, is that not worry you? Because that's competition, right? And I was like, no, all those men over there are my competition, not her. Yeah, so true. Yeah, why 
yeah, I'm, I'm competing with you, bro. Why are you pushing us against each other? So it's like, yeah, it's ridiculous. So well, I think women just need to really be very firmly holding hands and yeah. really support each other and be kind to each other. And um, yeah, stop trying to compete because we're not, it's not a competition between each other anymore. I have thankfully actually even managed to turn a show around to have two female hosts because they were like, oh, Layla, do you know another male? Because X, Y, and Z can't make it. We'd love to know who you'd like to work with. And I was like, this girl. And they're like, oh, but we need another male. And I was like, why? <laughs> why does it need to be a man and a girl that's so old like it's an old-fashioned yeah. way of thinking and they actually agreed and we um me and uh rachel stringer we both hosted a football show together and i was like i swear this is probably the first football show with two women on the front so it was really great i think you definitely are a role model to to younger women and it's interesting like who who follows you and engages with you on your different platforms like do you get messages from girls who are interested in football and want to root in or other sports like what's your your because your content is quite lifestyle focused right but like you're clearly very into sport and like you're very into fashion so I find like your mix of content and therefore your audience quite interesting yeah look I'll be honest it's still like 94 percent male right. 18 to 35 because those are the sports I'm doing and you know MMA and football is still largely watched by a male demographic um I do get quite a lot I think if any women it's young women um, and I do get quite a lot of messages about, oh, I want to get into the industry for this, or I want to get into the industry for that. Um, but it is really, a, it's a strong male demographic and there's nothing I can do about that. Dads are still taking their boys to football on Sundays, not necessarily their daughters, right? So that's the core of the issue. And it takes time for that to start changing. It, um, it does feel like so, women's football is starting to become an entry point though for women, um, whether that's wrong yeah. or right. Um, but I know like some of my younger cousins go to like the, the women's the women's games as well as you know watch the men's game but it's a good entry point for for a lot of people because they can see 100%. their own for the first time little girls can see that there are female footballers too exactly um, mm. so football we'll, we'll, we'll park that to the side for a minute you mentioned cage warriors earlier um, yeah and you gave you gave a little bit about it if you want to you know, explain exactly what it is and, and what is it about MMA that drew you in? Oh man, MMA is so much fun. To anyone who hasn't watched it before, it's, it's, you get sort of, um, it's kind of like Marmite for people initially because it looks like senseless violence. There's a lot of blood. Like I've had blood on my dress. I've seen teeth fly past me and people are immediately like, that's not for me, not my cup of tea. Um, but there's a whole different side of it that's really interesting. And the mentality behind preparing yourself to step in an octagon in front of someone who wants to put you to sleep, that mentality I find unbelievably intriguing. The strength, the tribalistic nature of it, the way we follow people, and there's a warlike element to it that is really interesting to me. Um, my obsession and, and curiosity has always been around athletes. Um, I remember a long time ago, back in the beginning of my career, I worked at OK Magazine as a freelancer. And my job was to go to the premieres of movies and interview every Tom, Dick and Harry who came up the red carpet. And that was at a time where reality TV was starting up as well. I think we had the first episodes of The Only Way is Essex towards the end of my time at OK Magazine. And we would have very stereotypical 
wannabe celebrities or the socialites of that world come up this carpet and I have to think of ways of asking them questions to try and get an interesting answer. And I saw the most ridiculous behaviors. I've seen tantrums and girls like rolling crying on the floor. And I've also seen Tom Cruise arrive two hours early to a, um, a premiere of his movie to sign autographs for every single person there. And during that time, I just realized like, I'm not curious about, you know, the socialite world. I'm not curious about what you've done. I don't feel like you've climbed a mountain to be here. I want to know stories of people who've really had a, a tough time and have dedicated themselves in a different way. I'm not shitting on reality stars. I'm just saying I don't get a lot out of their story. And that's when I kind of started to click that athletes have a mindset that I um, inspired by. And obviously working with footballers for a long time, it's, you know what it was as well, World Cups. I've, again, Brazilian, MMA is a big thing. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is a big thing. So my family, most of my cousins fight Jiu-Jitsu and know a lot about it. And I've always been around it. Um, and I've always loved it. But I never, ever thought about working in it because I'd never seen any women, especially in Europe, doing anything to do with it. Apart from fighting, thankfully, that's a sport that's had women headlining yeah. for years. Yeah, we've had women headlining for years, but we haven't seen that many female presenters in it. And actually, there's just not that many knowledgeable women in it because we haven't been included in that world. Um, and so I started to see a crossover there. I started to see a gap in the market. If I'm honest, there was a business mindset to it. And I was like, I want to disrupt this. In Europe, there were basically three women and like 100 men. And I was like, this is not right. I want to disrupt that a little bit. Um, I wanted to be around those kind of athletes because their mentality still intrigued me a lot. And then also we had the Russia World Cup. And after a World Cup, I guess you guys probably worked with football. You, mm. After all the group stages and everything, you come out of a World Cup, however much you love football, going, I need a break. <laughs> I need to not yeah. watch another football match for a little while. And I needed something different just so that I didn't lose my love of football because I love it and I didn't want to be sick of it if that made sense and every minute of every day was football so I knew I needed something else and as soon as I was a minor edge of a door open for MMA I was like yes that's what I want to do so just being around people who are interesting to me is really my aim so, so what are the what are the main differences between the like MMA world and the football world are the athletes similar or are their stories maybe more complex or you know because to, for the, the thought of for me, getting punched in the head or kicked in the head or kneed in the head or booted in the head or headbutted in the head, that is... Elbowed in the face is the one I yeah, want to avoid, man. I don't want to do that for a living. Um, so yeah. what, what are the differences in the stories? Uh, how, how does the sport compare for you? That's, I've never tried to compare it. That's a really good question. I think they're very different, very different, because obviously football is a team sport for a start. And however much MMA is a team sport, the second that octagon door closes, you're on your own, right? Um, I think there's a lot of... Uh, football's come such a long way. Um, MMA is still a niche sport, still in its early days, infancy, if you could say it that way. It's mm -hmm. still in its early days. It doesn't make anywhere near the kind of money that football makes. Um, they... A lot of MMA stars come from adversity or have experienced major adversity. Um, the understanding and the joy of fighting tends to have some sort of fighting mentality to start with. Um, the story of Darren Till is one that um, 
isn't, you know, solely for him. It's a story that you see uh, repeated and that he got stabbed at a nightclub and he came from, you know, a, a group of friends that were causing trouble. He'd admit that himself, got into some trouble, then decided to go to Brazil and train because although he was doing uh, Mai Tai and a lot of fighting at the past, he wasn't big as a pro until he went to Brazil and train. And a lot of fighters come from adversity. That's something that I don't see in football as much. Um, and also just the training, the ability to get into the industry is a lot harder, as in it's not less competitive, but it's a different world to even find that in the first place. Whereas every little boy's parent at some point is saying, what about being a footballer, right? <laughs> not every little boy's dad is going, let's go train for MMA. So I think it's it's two completely different worlds. Similarities are probably in just that level of dedication um, that drive to push yourself further and that uncomfortability, like wanting to come out of your comfort zone. I see that with fighters and footballers quite a lot. The other thing I see, and I noticed this as a pattern not long ago, is the boosts in self-confidence. The amount of fighters and footballers who have a picture of themselves on their phones made me change my phone. You know, like the home lock screen? <laughs> yeah. I changed my photo on the phone to a badass picture of me looking hot and all my friends took the piss out of me but I did it because every elite athlete I was seeing had that and I kept asking them about it and they were like yeah it's to remind me of who I am and that just that sentence alone remind me of who I am is big it's like yeah remind yourself of what you can achieve and what you can do and who you are because we all need that reminder sometimes so yeah. yeah. Sorry, Emma, I talk a lot. No, no, no. You're, you're the guest, um, Emily. You'd probably say that. <laughs> you probably say that I. Uh, I just look at my Twitter feed and, and see that blue tick to see the verification. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he usually has it on his computer. Like he has got a big screen. He just has it up there all day, really. Um, I don't mind. I don't mind that. that. I think that's a really interesting thing to look at. I remember, like when I was trying to get fit for something a few years ago, I had a picture of someone that's really like strong I was just like yeah yeah constant remind you're constantly looking at your phone like and I think that's really interesting like athletes have to have so much faith in themselves like on and mm-hmm. off the pitch um exactly yeah I think that's totally yeah look people call them cocky and arrogant but if they don't walk on that pitch fancying themselves to score yeah you'd hate them yeah. right we, we need them to go onto that pitch feeling a million dollars and it's like how do you do that and So that's really the main reason I love spending time and learning and interviewing and being around them is because I grow and learn myself. It's it's great. I bet your friends absolutely love that to rip out of you, though. having a picture of yourself on your screen that is hilarious totally yeah totally i'm i'm moving house not in soon and i'm sort of planning my own office and i'm legit putting big pictures of myself in my office <laughs> i was gonna I'm say like, yeah screw this whenever i see any footballers homes yeah they have like massive pictures of themselves obviously if you win the world cup put a picture of yourself winning the world cup on your wall yes if you win the olympics put the picture of you winning the olympics on your wall like i haven't won the world cup but I've done stuff I'm proud of and I should have that up on my wall. You've won your World Cup. And you guys should too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I probably, uh, I'll refrain for now. Maybe once uh, maybe once we do some more stuff then. Yeah, maybe. Maybe in the next <laughs> office, if we ever have one, we can have a full wall of, of your pictures. <laughs> or yours. Yeah. Well, when the podcast gets like to number one, you can have your podcast pick on your phone. I love Joe, Rogan. nice. I love Joe Rogan's picture. Just so I, I know where to aim. <laughs> there you go that's it um so yeah i mean 
to to round off the the MMA the MMA sort of section, I was going to ask, is it something that and it, from talking to you for three minutes or five minutes about MMA, I I get that it's a, a huge passion for you. Did you see it like that at first, or did you see it as an opportunity? And, and do you ever Both. look at um, do, you, do you ever look at things and go? you know what, if I really invest in that as a great opportunity, then I can then develop a passion yes. or do you lead by passion? I lead by passion, but with a business mindset. Like I run a company at the end of the day, I have to pay my bills. Um, MMA, I always loved, but I did not have the knowledge that I think someone presenting it should have, right? So when you go and you're doing live TV, you need to know more than the average person. Um, I take, I'm not an analyst, I'm never going to be, and I don't want to be. I kind of take a fan voice. Like my experience is to bring you the best entertainment I can. And as a fan, I can sit there and go, oh my God, that was incredible. Why did you do that? Right? It's not the most complicated gig in the world. Um, So although I had the passion for it, loved it since I was young, like I said, Brazilian for as a kid always loved it but I didn't have that sort of historical knowledge that people have I then saw the gap in the market saw the opportunity so led by passion but then made a decision to go you know what let's learn more than I normally would to get in there the right way and then also guys the opportunity is doing it the more you're in it the more you learn that's the best way to learn for sure yeah I we well, we've had clients before where um, we perhaps didn't know everything about the sport or, or the or the brand, but yeah. once you start living it, I mean, Em, you'll probably say the same about Formula E. Oh, I couldn't say more about Formula E. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not like I'm yeah. not really a sporty person to say the least. Um, yeah, because I was the. I mean, the background of our company is like from a sports background. So when I first came in, I was like, yeah. oh, I know nothing about football, etc. But definitely got to grips with more of it. Um, and yeah, traveling around and understanding more about the cars. Like it is really interesting to see people so passionate about sport. Like I love seeing people passionate about anything, like say like a, a tribalism and people. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and how different like fans react to different things and the conversation online. And that's another thing I love about social, like how witty and on the moment things are like, that's what I use Twitter for. I think for you to succeed in something, it has to come from passion, but you don't have to be that perfect diehard fan. And I think that's where a lot of people maybe don't aim for that gig because they don't think they know enough or is brilliant and whatever. You don't have to regurgitate Wikipedia. You don't have to be amazing at it. You just have to like it, want it, love it. And it's like ice hockey, right? I know jack shit about ice hockey. I watched the... um, Oh, there's the Winter Classic and I watch a couple of the big games and I love it. I think it's brilliant. The fact that you can pull your gloves off halfway through on the ice and just have a fight is hilariously entertaining. (laughs) I know a little bit of the rules. I went and watched a couple when I was in America. I like it. I love it. If someone offered me a job in ice hockey tomorrow, I would 100% take it. I'd sit there and say, look, I do not know enough about it. I need a good three months with access to people to learn. But I want this gig because I'm passionate about it. I can learn and I think I can, you know, entertain people with my passion for it. Um, So you don't have to know everything about it. You just have to A, be willing and B, like it. No, I agree. Um, That's that's the formula. And and I I think you can quickly learn. Like we... Even even new sports that you know you might seem alien. Once you watch, just sit and consume content for a few weeks, you you'll be up to speed. And, and social media allows yeah. you to follow the the best people on it and just copy their opinions. 
Dude, the amount of footballers I've interviewed and talked to about their special goal on X date have gone, oh, wait, which one? And I was like, oh, you don't even know? And I was like, oh, well, then I'm not. I'm going to relax now. And also the other thing I always say to presenters is like people always trying to get rid of their little cards or notes and stuff. And I don't like presenting with a piece of paper in my hand or my phone either. But no one's expecting you to be Rayman. Like whilst Gary Lineker has all those little pieces of paper on match of the day, puts his little glasses on and checks it, then I'm checking mine too. It's not a problem. No one's expecting you to know everything. It's okay. And I think we just be normal. Like people need to relax a bit about it. I agreed. Um, so yeah, what I guess we, we discussed earlier, your, <laughs> you don't have a five-year plan. Having said that, what is that? Oh yeah, sorry. Is there anything that, you really want to do or is that and, and again it's not a five-year plan but is there something like i want to i don't know present this or i want to do this i mean you obviously did the um the best best awards for fifa which is a pretty pretty yeah. high accomplishment but is there anything do you know what tops that i'm going to give you the crappest answer in the world <laughs> because it's right now if i'm honest it's no <laughs> I made a list of footballers that I wanted to interview years ago, like when I was about 14. And I've ticked off every every guy on that list. I'm so chuffed. And it's a ridiculous list. It's like it was Latan, Neymar, Messi, Pele, Ronaldo, and the other Ronaldo. And I am, I can't remember if there's anyone else in it. One, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, it was those six. Ridiculous names. And I've got to interview every single one. Um, and so that was my big one. Then at the FIFA Best Awards, there's the moment where Idris Elba introduces me. I just I watched it just exact... before this, and it, and it, the way he Dude. does it is he he did it a lot better than me, and I will definitely be re-recording mine. But <laughs> he, yeah. he, yeah, it was brilliant. That is the opening of my showreel forevermore. And I didn't even know. I knew he'd throw to me. I didn't know he'd do such a brilliant intro. And I think I'm stood next to like Harry Kane or someone. And he um, throws to me with this beautiful intro. And in that moment, I just thought. That's it. I can retire now. Done. <laughs> I'm done. That is the best thing that's ever happened to me. You can't top that. And so, yeah, since then, I haven't got a new one. I just want to adapt as much as possible and be ready for the next thing that's coming. You know, generally, I wasn't thinking pandemic. I was thinking like, oh, Instagram's the new big thing. I want to be able to adapt and be creative enough to change and beyond that. And whatever comes next, I just want to be adaptable and enjoy myself. Yeah, that makes sense. And 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 working with someone like Idris Elba, just just take us through how that was. Dude, he was so easy and so kind. Um, I was really nervous. I'm a I'm a girl who suffers with nerves quite a lot. Like I'm often sick before a live show. Um, and so it was the FIFA Best Awards. It's, and actually, it was the best one for a long while. Actually, it was the only one that we had uh, Neymar, Messi, Ronaldo in the front row. We've they've not all three attended one since. Um, the idea and the production company behind it was really strong, um, and they wanted it to be quite cool and fun. Hence, you know, getting Idris Elba in which was just such a great shout um we had lots of great music and everything about it was just so grand and such a brilliant opportunity all i could think was don't fuck this up <laughs> like that's all you have in your head the whole time don't fuck it up don't fuck it up don't fuck it up and people think oh are you thinking of the question but it must be everything like, no, right? i'm trying not to like what you're wearing Pardon? what everything from what you're wearing to what you say to what your hair is to how you if you ask someone the wrong question do you know what 
do you know what? You kind of forget very quickly. Things become really unimportant. Like my hair, what I was wearing, da, 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 like could be completely unimportant. Like I would have put on whatever. That's not important. I need to just not fuck this up. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> no, no, I get that. So quite a lot of things became unimportant and just getting the lines right at the right time and saying the right name for the right person just because of nerves as well. Like when you're looking at Danny Alves and Coutinho's behind him, you, you kind of want to go, oh, Coutinho and oh, this person. And you, you kind of, I just thought I'm going to make up someone's name just out of pure excitement and that's going to make me look like I don't know my footballers do you know things mm-hmm. like that yeah it's like the adrenaline pushing you through like do you get like tunnel vision not remember it or do you deal with it in different ways oh yeah yeah I finished that show and had absolutely no idea what happened absolutely <laughs> no idea what I said what happened was it all right you just immediately go back to the truck and it's like did are we okay and they're like yes it was brilliant and you're like oh and the reaction um, online. I do remember that I had Oh, I was, I was really lucky. It was brilliant. I was really I mean, lucky. People, and Brazil. People loved yeah. it. Yeah. And in Brazil, we got lots of wonderful reports too, because I, because of the Brazilian players, I just sort of switched into Portuguese halfway through and Brazil were just like, what? That's never happened. And in Latin America could suddenly understand a lot of stuff that they normally couldn't. And they're normally quite unrepresented there. And so for them, it felt quite special. And there were lots of wonderful articles talking about me, uh, sort of making a pitch for Brazil and, and being able to help them. So that was great. Um, equally, there were a lot of articles about my uh, dress slipping over my shoulder for about 2.1 <laughs> seconds. Um, but it's just racy. like, come on, out of everything. <laughs> Wild. Was, yeah, super racy. <laughs> Big risk on live television. A strap moves slightly, you put it back up. There were some memes that were great. There's a meme of me walking past Maradona and Pele. Pe- yeah, it was, no, no, no. Maradona and Ronaldo, El Phenomeno Ronaldo. So I walk past them and they, this is how clever memes are, by the way, because you can't believe anything you see online. But um, they put they put it to music and it's me walking past them and you see them both turn with their head and just look at my ass as I walk past. <laughs> Great meme, really funny. The truth though, is that as I was walking past, I was talking about them. And the moment they turn is the exact moment I said their names. Um, but of course you take that audio off, put music on it looks great so yeah that meme went round a bit as well which basically sexualized me in a position where i'd done really fucking great in my business and had nothing to do with it but hey got a few more instagram followers so we'll let that fly and um <laughs> em, em, i've actually got a question for you so oh, if yeah. you didn't know that it was the show was broadcast to and i th- i had to check this a few times more than 900 million people how would you feel about being in front of 900 million people I was really nervous about doing this podcast, so I don't think I'd be on that stage, I'm gonna be honest. <laughs> I honestly Were you I've, nervous, Em? Yeah, I I don't like like being recorded and stuff like this really freaks me out. Um I've always yeah. said I have so much admiration for um presenters, especially people that do live TV. It just looks like my biggest nightmare. Like it's it's mental and That's I have so, so much admiration for people that get up there and they don't know what's about to happen or what someone's about to say. I'm like, nah, <laughs> no way. So anything you know like what? that is really It's impressive. an exposure equals composure kind of vibe, really. It's just the more you do it, the less you notice. Yeah. For me, bigger audiences are way more comfortable than smaller audiences. I still do quite a lot of corporate gigs that are to smaller rooms, like an awards show for a pharmaceutical company. And it's like 200 people in a room. And those are the hardest because you can see their faces. Yeah, I you guys probably that. pitch to rooms of 30 people, 40, 50, 100 all the time, right? Mm-hmm. 
Yep. Yeah, and I guess like pitching over time, like I'm more comfortable with it now. Whereas like when I first started, I'd be like studying my notes for like two days. Whereas now it's much better to just go in and be like, know your subject and just talk it. And I imagine it's just exactly the same for you in that kind of scenario. Like, identical situation yeah. and I dread the gigs where I have less people because you got a camera and bright lights you don't know how many people millions of people are watching you kind of it doesn't register mm. as well the second you bring less people into a room and your voice echoes and you say something and you see the chick at the back eyeing you up and down that's really hard yes. to do it that's intense so I am um, I force myself to do corporate gigs just so I don't get the hang lose the hang of that interesting gigs pharmaceutical awards did I hear that right? Yeah, just, <laughs> yeah, I do. It's lots of different companies in different ways. They have sort of awards for their business staff members and, and yeah, just general business awards, corporate events. Things so like that, that. they I keep really, taking behind the scenes it. that you never think about, isn't it? Yeah, bread and butter money. Like every <laughs> yeah. presenter's got to do them. Yeah. What, um, you mentioned earlier about OK Magazine. And, and working there Ooh. are you is that are you done from from sort of showbiz and lifestyle or is it still something you you would go back into do you know what I'm almost getting back into it more now that it's changed so much I wouldn't go back to those sort of classic tabloid-esque magazines um that was yeah it was like a freelance thing as I was coming up in the industry um but now lifestyle means something so different now lifestyle is that sort of instagram you know, uh, inspirational world. So yeah, I'd probably be interested more now. It's it's really a fine balance because I'm I'm now in a position where I'm like, I can do more of what I want and less of what I need to do for money, right? But equally, my demographic and my audience mean everything to me. They're important. They're my clientele and I need to cater to them. So however much I might want to put a picture on my Instagram of a cute dress I bought, my 94% males don't give a crap. So <laughs> I see it as my shop window almost. And you put in your shop the products that sell, right? So I'm just kind of still, I've not got it right, but I'm still trying to find that balance of being able to do enough of what I like, which thankfully is MMA, football, cool interviews. And, you know, introducing the more lifestyle stuff, I'm starting to understand how I can do that in a way that doesn't piss off the male demographic. No, I get you. I get you. That makes a lot of sense. So that's why podcasts like this are, are perfect. Yeah. Well, something, yeah, I, I started a podcast. It's something I'm super proud of recently. I started a podcast with two former Royal Marines. Um, so there's that male aspect of it in the sense that these are Royal Marine commandos. But it's the first thing I've ever done that's about psychology, really, and sort of self-help and self-growth, because essentially the podcast is called Commando Mindset, and it's all about how to um, grow your mental health, your mental fitness and train your mental fitness, which is something that's very much on trend at the moment. Mm -hmm. But I've sure. never done anything like that before. So I was really worried about how is my demographic going to react? Can I post about this on my Instagram? Should I do it? maybe just on my Twitter instead, or, you know, you just don't know how people are going to react. Thankfully, that's fallen quite well, but it's completely different to anything I've ever done before. So yeah, really, I needed a company like Goat to advise me on how do you do these <laughs> new things that you want to do, right? You get so many people out there saying, do what you love, just do be you, be yourself, da da da. But equally, we do have to understand, like, I'm running a business. It's not, yeah. I can't just put in yeah, do you know what I mean? Yeah, Sometimes yeah. there's some things I love. Like, 
I, I can't think of something particularly at the moment and I can't cook to save my life. So this is actually a very bad example. But if I suddenly wanted to bake and put cakes up, that is going to destroy my Instagram career. Um, so, you know, how do you find ways? Do you believe in just do what you follow, what you love all the time? Or do you have to find that balance with business? I what are your thoughts? I completely agree with you. I think that you have an audience there that are looking for a certain type of content. And we know that influencers are very savvy with the type of um, content that audiences are looking to digest. And like, you can't alienate them, right? Because then you're going to lose them. But I definitely think you can start to incorporate different pieces of content in different ways. And also I think collaborating with influencers or personalities in like different verticals can be your way in to build that, to bring that new audience in because you can have content that appeals to two audiences, right? But you need to bring in your new audience, perhaps that is into fashion or cooking or something, have them engage with it so that it doesn't look completely um, different to, to content and it's still getting engagement because you, you need to keep building that, right? That is your brand in itself. Yeah, that's a really smart way. Yeah, no. I, like it. I, even, even on a smaller level, an extremely smaller level, um, I tweet a lot about Arsenal and football and it just... I, we noticed. And <laughs> outside of that, like to be completely honest with you, I don't, like, I, I don't really, at the moment, especially for the last three months, I don't really find Arsenal or football that it's not, it doesn't, it's not my biggest passion at the moment. You know, I, I'm really enjoying NFL. Um, I'm really enjoying gaming. You know, I quite like politics. But if I were to tweet anything like that, you get, you know, mm. people unfollow you. You know, no one cares. So I, I guess it is how you incorporate in a, in a natural way and, and make things relatable um, and, and make things that are attractive to multiple audiences. But at the end of the day, like, if you're not interested or you're not passionate about something, and you keep trying to do it, it's just, it's going to come through. So um, I think it, it's, defi- yeah, that's just it's crazy. definitely a balance. Thank you. Free advice for me there. I appreciate it. <laughs> no, I was, so I was, I was going <laughs> to touch on your, what you, you're looking to do and, and sort of how you're always wanting to evolve. Is there anything that, no, you don't have to answer this, but is there anything you've done in your career? I might know the answer to this, but is there anything you've done which you regret? Oh, you've said you might know the answer. I want to know what you well, think. Well, I might. Have thought, I thought you might have said the the FHM things. You, you, you know, you said you wish you didn't do it. Dude, I I wish I didn't have to, but it was the right decision for my business. Do you know what I mean? I didn't. I don't regret that because it made major changes in my business and got me to where I am today. And it got it opened doors in football. So I don't regret that. Um, do I have regrets? Yeah, loads, <laughs> loads. I think it's crazy when people turn around and go, oh, I have no regrets. It's like, dude, if you could live the whole life again, you'd do exactly the same thing. <laughs> yeah. You'd hit your head against the same walls. Like, no way. I love, I have learned so much. Um, I make so many mistakes on so many things that I do. And there's a million things I would change. Regret is such an interesting word because, you know, obviously the path that that's led to where you are now and I'm super happy and I love what I do so I wouldn't want to take anything away from it but yeah I changed loads because I know I'm wiser and smarter now and I could have probably got here a heck of a lot quicker if I knew what I know so, I, so um, maybe yeah. I, maybe I'll change it then what if you say Ooh. young Layla what would you what would the one piece of advice you would give her if you were if you were looking back and saying this is how your career is going to go out what would be the one piece of advice you would give her Trust your gut and you're better than you think you are. Um, I think most of my regrets come from doing something. I think that resonates across all of us, isn't it? Right? 
I think the first, like, yeah, most regrets I have have come from something that I felt wasn't a good idea in the first place or I had some kind of reservation about and it's like, man, I knew I shouldn't have done this or I knew I shouldn't have got into that. So trusting your gut early. And you know what? Understanding that you don't always have to have proof or a fair explanation. Sometimes you just feel like it's a bad idea and everything is everything on paper is telling you it's a good idea and everyone is telling you it's a good idea and you don't have a good argument to not do it but you just feel it, trust that feeling. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to explain yourself to anyone. So I think I would have trusted my gut more quicker and had more confidence, really. Confidence is, is key. Also on the flip side of that, do you think that there are a lot of occasions where you're like, oh, I think that's the exact right thing to do, but I don't really have the confidence myself to go with that right now. Cause I find that the other way around. All I'm the like, time. That was the right thing. And I, I didn't grab it at the right time. Yeah, yeah, all the time. And the more we do that, we more we have to mm-hmm. kick ourselves and remind ourselves to actually do it when we feel like, when we see it and act on it quickly. And so something I do now is like, as soon as I get a feeling like that, I try and act on it really, really quickly in order to not allow myself to think about it too much. Yeah. Because I, if you start to think too much, you end up with a million reasons why not to. I think the world is set up like that. I'm marketing in, you know, sort of, generic traditional press and you know we're set up to almost not believe in ourselves and we're set up to think of all the things that could go wrong but nobody ever asks well what if what if it goes right you know what if that podcast you do or what if that show you do becomes the best piece of work you've ever done you never really ask yourself that and so I try not to think about things too much if I'm like oh I've had this idea I think it's a good idea you kind of cleverly in a business sense weigh up pros and cons and then just get the fuck on with it don't sit dwell think too much because I could talk myself out of anything and we all can so yeah thinking about what if it goes well is something that I've tried to train myself to do more and also like I think it's really important to give credit to making mistakes like you learn more from your fuck-ups than you do from doing great things do you know what I mean like from doing so it's okay to have regrets it's okay to have regrets yeah I see this from fight the fighting world. You know, all these fighters, they learn a lot more from a loss than they do from a win. They, from a loss, you turn around, you go back to the studio and the um, gym and the learning board or whatever, whatever industry you're in and you can change everything and you can learn and you can go, right, I'm going to train this more and that more and learn this new skill. Whereas from a win, you'd go celebrate and carry on with life and you don't pick up as much. So, you know, don't be so scared of mistakes. So what if I'm going to make a decision, if I muck it up, I could actually learn something really valuable as long as you do it anyway. So it's the action part that's the most important, I think. Look, I won't keep too much of your time, but I know for, for myself, it's been a fantastic, uh, I think 90 minutes or so on everything to do with your, your career and, and all your stories. And I'm sure some of the stories in here are you know, I didn't know them, and 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 for for fans of of football and and sport, it really does pull back the curtain. So, you know, I just from, from all of us, I, I really want to thank you. And I, I would say that um, when we started this, the first we were like, oh, who could we get on as a guest? Who could we get on as a guest? All all of my team were like, you've got to get Layla. She's so good. She's so nice. She's so great. And and, and and you know, all of the team did did say that. So. Um, where can um, where can people find you? Uh, where 
Yeah, what are your what are your socials and, and, and you know what sort of Yeah, don't Google me, that's a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, just go straight <laughs> Just go straight to Instagram. I'm at Layla Anna Lee on Instagram. So it's L A Y L A A N A L E E on Instagram and on Twitter I'm Layla Loves. Um, yeah, that's me. I've, I've got my little website where I write blogs and stuff. That's LaylaAnnaLee.com. I give a bit more of like a private view on my website too. If you're into long articles, that's where that's at. Thank you guys. I appreciate you letting me plug that. Well, look, we got, uh, if you are a new listener, make sure you click that subscribe button to get all of the great podcasts that we'll be producing over the next few weeks. Thank you so much for your Thank time. Thank you. That was um, super interesting. Oh, I appreciate it. Thank you, Frank. Thank you, Em. You got your new subscriber here today. (laughs) Tom, we good.